by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. About 5.45 and I was praying in here by myself, walking up and down, lightning and thunder hit, crashed so bad I thought I heard the roof caving in. And I gave it one of them, almost threw my back out of joint. I'm glad the cameras wasn't rolling or anything. <laughs> Y'all would laugh. Scared me. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, the name of the, tonight's message, we're not going to talk about the thunder. We're going to talk about that uh, the name of that song was No Longer Slaves to Fear. And that's the title of tonight's message. Uh, that's why I've, where I found that song. I was just looking for some. Cedric was here uh, Tuesday when I was going through some songs, and I was able to find that song, and I said, that's what I'm preaching on. That would be a good song. Isn't that a good song? It says, you split the seas so that I could walk right through it, and my fear drowned in perfect love. No longer a slave to fear. Let's turn to Psalms 34 to get started tonight. Let's lay a foundation in Psalms 34. Had 17 at corporate prayer last night <laughs> on a Tuesday night in the church of this size. Tell me something, God's not doing something. There's a lot of words came out. Freedom was one of them. We talked a lot about fear last night, too. That's where the message came from. Did anybody lose a ring last Wednesday, or is this a little kid's ring or something? I don't know. It's real small. I kept it up here in case... Anybody want to claim it? Okay, Psalms 34. We'll start in the first verse. I will praise the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. Right now is a good time. Thank you, Jesus. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness and let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me, and he freed me from all my fear. So when you pray to the Lord, you praise him, you stay up next to him, there's really no reason to fear, is it? Uh, under the shadow of the Almighty, you know, you pray to him, he answers, and he frees you from all your fear. Like I said, the song says, you split the seas so I could walk right through it. You drowned my fear in perfect love. How many times, if you're like me, you can look back at your past and you can say, I remember times in my life that I was up against a wall or a red sea or whatever. I was up against something, and it seemed like the enemy was coming at me fast and hard, and they were outnumbering me, and there was no way for me to escape. A lot of times I should be dead. Looking back, I, you know, those of you who don't know me, I lived 32 years of my life without Jesus. So I, I've had some crazy backgrounds, did some stupid stuff. But the Lord delivered me out of them all. The Lord delivered me. He split the sea wide open. When it didn't seem, he's a way maker. When there don't seem to be a way, he makes a way. And he brings you through. 
And he brings you through on dry ground many times. <laughs> That's what he did for the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt for, what, 400 years? And then with a strong right hand and the ten signs and wonders, Moses was able to deliver the people out from Pharaoh and uh, with many miracles. And, but the people continued to act like slaves once they got out of captivity. And that's kind of like a picture of us being delivered from the world. Egypt is always a type shadow of the world, typically in the Bible. And, and we were delivered, you know, by many miracles. <laughs> Think of how many miracles it took to get me to get saved, you know. I heard the gospel many times before I, my bonehead finally received it and registered on it. But, but anyway, we get delivered out of the world, but we keep the slave mentality. The first thing they did when they got out there, uh, they were in fear. They were slaves to fear. They said, well, where's the, where's the water? Where's the food? God isn't going to provide. Let's go back. And they kept wanting to go back into slavery because they didn't think God would provide. But Romans 8.15 in the English Standard Version says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We're no longer slaves to fear. And you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I think King James says you didn't receive the spirit of fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you remember when you was little, if you, if you had a good dad? Man, when dad was around, you wasn't worried about anything, right? When you was a little kid, you were not a slave to fear. But yet, we've been delivered, but the devil's, his, his little tool pouch full of things he uses against us, one of the main things in there is what? Fear. He's always trying to scare us away from the plan of God. When I was probably five or six years old, I don't remember the exact age, uh, I was at my grandma's house in Shaw, Mississippi, you know, down there on the 61 Highway. And uh, that was when wrestling, you know, first came out, I guess, because uh, it may have been out before then, but I was the first time I saw it, I was down there. My, my grandfather, he had one of those satellite dishes about as big as the whole altar there, you know. <coughs> Back in the day, that's the only way they could get t TV stations. <coughs> and uh, I don't know where they were, but I was in the house by myself watching TV, and wrestling came on. And there was this guy named Cowboy Bill Watson, if I remember correctly, was the wrestler. Anybody remember him? He wore this white hat, and he was the good guy. You know, he came in, he was always, everybody was always rooting for Cowboy Bill. Well, Cowboy Bill came in, and he was, got in the ring, and he was facing this seedy character. I don't remember who it was, some guy in black, you know. Cowboy Bill took his white hat off, and I was pulling for Cowboy Bill. And I was like, my eyes were like fixed, you know, because I'd never seen anything wrestling. And they were moving around on the ground and fighting. And at five years old, I was just looking at this stuff. And the next thing you know, that seedy character goes over here and pulls a chain out of his tights and wraps it around his hand. And he does like this, and when the referee ain't looking, he hits Cowboy Bill right in the kisser. And Cowboy Bill does one of these numbers here, you know, and he backs up, and he looks right into the camera, and he goes, and spits out a handful of teeth and shows them to the camera. You know what I did? I took off running. 
I took, I ran to my grandma's room and got up under the bed, and I stayed there for about an hour before I would come out. I think they had to call me out from underneath the bed. I don't know why, but as a little kid, that scared me. Because he, he smiled, he didn't have no teeth. <laughs> and I said, that, oh, I've never seen any, I've never experienced violence like that. Think about what our five-year-olds are seeing today. What a fear-filled world, an uncertain world that we're living in. It's so, so sad. But we're watching it too. And we still have spirits. <laughs> but anyway, many years later, I think back about old Cowboy Bill. And he wasn't a good guy just because he was wearing the white hat. You know what I mean? He was, he was instilling fear in me. <laughs> he was just as fake as the wrestling that he was doing. He wasn't a good guy. He was like the devil with his teeth knocked out. You know, we, the devil's like a roaring lion. He's a toothless lion. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's a toothless lion. And all he has is the roar because Jesus took his teeth from him. <laughs> Jesus was the one who hit him with a chain, it looked like. But anyway, he's looking for someone to devour. It says, stand firm against him and strong in your faith. How do you combat fear? How do you combat all the things? You know, he's throwing fiery darts at your mind all the time, the devil. He's trying to instill fear in you to keep you from God's plan. He's roaring. Was it Seal was here Sunday? Was he the one said that, that you can hear a lion from miles away? Have you been to the zoo? I've, I've heard that they start working it up. And then it gets bigger and bigger, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it scared me. And I was across the moat and everything. And uh, lions are a real deal. But it instills fear. From miles around, whoever hears that roar. And that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to keep you, he's trying to scare you out of your destiny. Scare you out of being who God wants you to be. But it seems like some people are naturally confident, right? It seems like some people don't get scared. Some people, we see all these people on TV, they're doing great things and conquering worlds. We see these heroes in the Bible. They don't get scared, right? No. They face fear too. Think about Moses. <laughs> what was Moses' condition when God showed up in the burning bush? You remember that? Exodus 3.6 says, Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. <laughs> he was even afraid to look, at, look upon God. Which, you know, if you've been seen anybody else even when the angels show up the angels have to say do not be afraid anybody's even been in the presence of God <laughs> the glory of Moses later on scared the people of Israel but anyway in Exodus 3 11, it says Moses said unto God who am I that I should go into the Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of, <laughs> out of Egypt <clears throat> he's saying I'm scared I don't know I mean I'm not I'm not qualified and that's the first thing you begin to say when you're scared of failure. You're scared of the task that God has asked you to do. Well, I, I, God, you've got to find somebody else. How many said that? 
I know some of you have because I asked you to do stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't. <clears throat> no, I can't take up the offering. I, I'm scared to pray in public. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. Well, there's a lot of uh, fear. And, and you know, we, sometimes we can't even do the simple things. And where did that come from? Just as I don't think there's anybody born that isn't subject to fear and having to overcome fear, I don't think there's anybody born... Uh, that just is so afraid without a, without a cause, you know? So if you're at a place where you feel like you can't do what's, what you're called upon to do and God's asking you to do or whatever, think back, how did that get there, you know? Sometimes we've got to trace our life back to the point. And that's, that's why it's so good to, to think about your past. God, the first thing he did when I got saved was... I started writing those stories about the dumb things I did in my life and the childhood stories like the one at the Cowboy Bill Watson, you know. I think about the things that happened to me. And I look back and I said, I know the feeling that I felt when I saw him spit them teeth out. And I still feel that sometimes. And, and I'm just going to be honest. I've had a lot of fear in my life. I may be a big dude or whatever, and you think of me, he ain't afraid of nothing. And I put on a good air, but I've been a lot afraid in my life. I'm glad I'm a big dude because I didn't. I'm glad, if I'd have been a little dude, I'd have had to fight everybody. But I didn't want to fight. I was scared of violence, and I can and I can trace a lot of that back to the feeling that I got when I saw them teeth being knocked out. And of course, that's just one event, right? And we all have those series of events that happen to us, and it it begins to shape the way we see reality. It begins to color our understanding of the freedom that we have in Christ when we come to know Jesus. Moses was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not the right one, God, don't use me. And then he tried to get out of it by lying to God. That's never good. Like, God doesn't know. In Exodus 4.10, it says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. <laughs> liar, liar. Acts 7.22 says Moses was taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and action. So God says he was powerful in speech. But Moses is trying to make excuses. And that's another thing. We get our list of excuses why we can't do things and we justify why we, we can't be who God wants us to be. And, and we all feel like our excuses are legitimate, you know. He says, I've never been and am not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, my words get tangled. Well, if anybody can say that, that's me. You've heard me speak. <laughs> I cough halfway through this service half the time lately. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now Go! I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God's not asking us to go alone. Hadn't he given you the gifts and talents that you have? Doesn't he know your makeup? Isn't he your creator and sustainer? And when he asks you to do something, is he going to ask the wrong person? Is he going to ask you to do something that you can't do? God got mad at Moses. <laughs> he was pretty mad. What are we arguing with God about? 
Let me let that sink in. Let, really think about that for a moment. Because there's probably things in my life. Let me think about what I'm arguing with God about. Things he's asking me to do that I'm really not doing and I'm putting off or making excuses. If you think of anything, write it down. What are we, some kind of slaves to fear? Really? I mean, we're supposed to be the set free people. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we're all still in bondage to some degree. I believe. And if Moses had to fight his fears, then we do too. Moses went on to do a fine job. He didn't do everything right, but he did a good job. He was able to bring the people out, just like God asked him to. Who are you able to bring out? Let's watch a, a quick video I, I loaded for you. Did you know that the human brain expresses only two fundamental emotions, love and fear? From these two, all other emotions are experienced. As Christians, we're called to live in God's love. But how do we live in love or fear? Humans can have many types of fear. There's the fear of the unknown, pain, death, and fear of choices, just to name a few. When we live in fear, we react to instead of act against our fear. But when we love, we have excitement, generosity, trust, and courage. Love strengthens and empowers, whereas fear weakens and disables. Perfect love, like a light, casts out all fear. For it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many times, our fears can be irrational. It's like believing in the boogeyman. The devil causes us to become fearful, but God is way bigger. When we give up our fears to God, we can live a full life in love that he has prepared for us. So which will you choose, fear or love? So if our brains only have two choices, we have to make a decision, don't we? Fear or love. Let's turn to 1 John 4. Very familiar scripture. 1 John 4.18. Not using a lot of groundbreaking scriptures here that you've never heard, but... Like I always say, I'm, I'm not here to teach new revelation. I'm just here to make sure that we got the, the old revelation mostly. I don't think there's a whole lot of new revelation after 2,000 years of, of the Bible as we know it. Okay. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. How much? And so if you have perfect love and there's no fear in love, then it's going to have to expel fear, right? It casteth out fear. It overcomes like that when that light came on. 
It's just the same way. Love dispels fear. Because fear has torment. Which one of you think God wants his children tormented? And God is love. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So we got to question ourselves. Are we, what degree are we still slaves to fear? We need to be honest because fear is the arch enemy of faith. And we're called to faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be faith people. We're called to believe God in these last times. When the world's turning their back and saying, oh, I there's no such thing as a God. We came from monkeys, you know, and it's, all that crazy stuff. We're called to believe. Believers are called to what? Believe. Some of us don't even recognize we're only a shadow of who we were created to be because we insist on letting fear shackle our lives. Uh, you know, right after Moses... Who was the next in line? Do you remember? Joshua. And, you know, Joshua was younger than Moses, and he had seen Moses for, I think, 40 years in the wilderness. He had been under Moses' leadership. So Joshua was not a young man by any standards, but man, thinking about having to take over for Moses. Moses. That's like, you know, taking over for Billy Graham or something. Big deal. And, and not only that, Moses is about to die, and you're supposed to take millions of people across the Jordan and then attack all the cities in the promised land and fight for it. And all that's on you. In Joshua 1.9, this is my Joshua. I have a boy named Joshua. His name is Joshua Caleb Sheffield. The Lord gave me his name before he was born. His initials are JCS, stands for Jesus Christ Saves. And uh, God knew what he was doing when he named him Joshua. Because you see that Joshua needed a lot of encouragement. Because Joshua tended to have, as some of us do, more subject to fear. But think about what Joshua was able to accomplish. So, of course, my Joshua and this Joshua leaned heavily on Joshua 1, 9, and 10 when the Lord said, Have I not commanded thee to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That's hard to say. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, after he got the fear under control, then Joshua took off and did what he was supposed to do. Then Joshua led the armies of Israel against Jericho and against the other cities one at a time and, and wiped out the heathens and won great battles and brought millions of God's people into a land flowing with milk and honey. But God had to deal with the, the fear, the natural fear, of taking over for a great man, you know, whatever it is. To lead, some, some of you just to, to lead your own children is scary. Much less if you were offered a promotion at your job where, 
you know, you were a manager of, of some sort. Of course, we have some in here that are managers of huge department stores <laughs> and have super courage. But, we, but all of us are at some place. Anyway, God desperately needs us to develop our faith and not our fear. He does it in these hours in which we live. It's going to make such a big difference. We, we don't need to be panicking. When, when the stock market crashes, when terror strikes, uh, the world just turns upside down as we see it happening before our eyes, we need to be level-headed. And we need to know in whom we believe. We need to have faith and not fear. All my life, like I said, I've been afraid of this or that. But when I got saved, I began to face my fears. I didn't know any better at first. You know, when you're, when you're lost, you're lost. You have no concept of godly principles or, or that there is, even is a God, or if there is, you don't know him and you have no idea what he wants you to do. And you're just tossed about on the waves of life and, and just subject to all the fear the devil can throw at you. You're, you're probably welcoming it. You're probably watching horror shows and, and feeding yourself and gorging yourself on the things that the devil serves up to those who will watch. And I had done that. And I, know, I remember as a, as a new Christian, and I began to see the things about God. And probably Pastor Buddy probably taught about fear or something and got me all fired up, you know. And I started trying to deal with my fear. I probably told you guys a story about the time I climbed. I, had a, I was afraid of heights. I climbed this like 35-foot antenna at my grandmother's house. Just one of those little tri-antenna things. Climbed all the way up there and put the Christmas star on just because I'd always been afraid to do it. And my little uh, uncle, he was about 5'1 and 150 pounds, he did it. And uh, I always wanted to do it, but I was afraid. I'd tried it one time, got up about 10 feet, and got scared, and came back down. But after I got saved, I said, I got to do that. So all 225 pounds goes up that thing about 35 feet, and that thing was doing this number up here. And, and, and of course it being July made no sense because it was a Christmas star <laughs> but I had to do it and uh, that was stupid I'm not saying do stupid stuff there is a legitimate fear you should be afraid to put your hand on a hot stove I'm not saying just do anything and have no fear there is a legitimate fear of, of, you know, it's a natural response, it, but it's when it gets twisted is the problem. And anyway, I remember in that old Spirit of Life building we had, you remember how big that building was and how that adjoining building, there was a, the gym across the way, and that big adjoining building, we never used it for anything. And we would have band practice at night in the gym or something, and when everybody would leave, sometimes I was the last one, and I would always be on the way out, and I'd look down that black hallway, and it would just give me the, the willies. You know, and it, I, I would actually fit. I was the only one in the church, and you know, you'd start hearing noises and stuff. And, I, and, and one day I said, and I call myself a child of God. I'm afraid of the dark. So I walked down that hallway. Here I am, devil. I was making a lot of noise because I was scared. <laughs> Here I am, devil. Get you some, you know. And I was acting crazy. And I walked down that hallway, and I made myself walk all the way to the middle of it. And then I just stopped in the middle of the blackness and said, what you going to do? And boy, I tell you what, 
it felt like there was demons hovering all around me or something. It might have been, I don't know. But I faced my fear. And since then, I can walk into dark rooms or dark alleys or whatever. And since I faced it like that, it doesn't scare me anymore. Have you noticed when you do something and you break the ice of the fear, it, it diminishes the fear? It does. So if there's unreasonable fear in your life, you know, say, I'm not saying climb a 35-foot tower, but if you're afraid of heights and you, you won't even go up on a tall building, something that you know is safe, don't put yourself in danger, but if you're scared to go up on the Peabody and look over the edge or something, do it. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> don't do anything that, that hurts you. And then don't come back and sue me for telling you to. Another thing. Here's the big thing. You guys know how big this is. When we go door to door, we go to the mall. There ain't a person in here, except maybe Tom. I don't know maybe Tom. I'll, I'll admit myself included. Every time there's apprehension about me talking to people you don't know. Right? And, it, and you may have done it before. You may have broke the ice. And I've done it dozens of times, you know. You go door to door and meet, meet people. But there's apprehension every time. Because, it, it, you know, you, but when you do it, and you realize it's a, it's a lie from the devil that the people are not going to hate you and they're not going to cuss you out. You're, not, you're just talking to people just like I'm talking to you. And there's really no reason that we should be afraid. And some of you may have never done this. You may have never approached somebody on the street and said, I could never do that. Why can't you? People do it all the time. If you were selling something for your company, you'd go out there and put your little table out and say, hey, we're selling this, but, but we can't tell people about Jesus because the devil has scared us into thinking that that's wrong, that, that we'll be taken wrong or something. You remember that video I showed? It just came to me about that Penn and Teller, the guy from Penn and Teller, the magician. He's a avowed atheist. He's a real strong atheist or whatever. And I showed a video of him one time where he was saying that the guy witnessed to him and gave him a little Bible and was real respectful to him and everything. And he, he said, as an atheist, he said, after listening to what the guy said and telling me what he believes, I respect him because if he really believes that and he won't tell me that I'm going to hell, then I have no respect for that man. He doesn't love me at all. And so <laughs> I was telling somebody this the other day. Every time we go out on the streets, right off, the first person I talk to is like, the walls come down. I'm like ready for the next one. And then, then you go and you go and you tell these people and you think, well, you know, they're going to respond badly. They don't. They want to hear. If they're Christian, they're glad you're there because they know you're supposed to be. And if they're not Christians, you wouldn't believe the amount of people here in DeSoto County that don't have a clue why Jesus died on the cross. And they're not opposed to listening to you. In fact, their spirits are crying out for it. And every time I do, I'll leave and I'll go get something to eat or something, and I'll be wanting to witness and Taco Bell. I'll be wanting to tell the person, about, and I'll be thinking to myself, I'm doing this everywhere I go. I'm not going to stop this time. I'm not waiting until next month's outreach. I, this, is what, this is the way I'm living. I'm telling everybody everywhere I go. 
And then somewhere I'll wake up the next morning, go to sleep, and there's, you know, in between that time, then the apprehension comes back. We got to fight that. If you've never been, bust that ice. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's what we were created to do. When you do it, you realize with all your heart, this is it. This is why I was created, to spread this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Fear is just false evidence appearing real. You've heard that. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. If there's something to be afraid of, God will let us know. But fear from the enemy is always a lie. Not all fear is false evidence appearing real. Like I said, there is a justified, a common sense fear of things. But when you know that what you're afraid of won't hurt you, and you know that God's asking you to do it and everything, and, and that fear is stopping you, it's a lie from the enemy. We ought to just bust right through every lie. We, are to, we have been around long enough to know better. Uh, young Timothy was a minister. Uh, the Apostle Paul had raised up a young guy. He was probably about Jacob's. Uh, Jacob, Jacob, the guy that ministered over here the other day. Uh, Jacob Kaminsky. Wonderful, exciting evangelist came through here and just turned us upside down, and he's just on fire. He doesn't have a whole lot of Bible training, can barely speak English from Poland. But I tell you what, his heart just shined through so beautifully. And that's all we need is our heart to do it. Well, anyway, this young Timothy, obviously he battled fear. And you can imagine being a young minister. I bet Jacob battled fear to get up here. I mean, this is all new to him. But he busts through, and he makes such a difference. And uh, Paul would often have to encourage <coughs> Timothy. In 2 Timothy, we see that in a letter he wrote to him, the second letter, in uh, chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that, was first, filled, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So he came up from a line of, of faithful people. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. You know, I, I notice he didn't mention his dad. He didn't mention Timothy's dad, and, and normally the, in those times they would have mentioned the dad if the dad would have been a man of faith. So maybe his dad wasn't a man of faith. And maybe, not maybe, it just came to him, but I'm sure not having a dad in the house makes for a lot of fear. I bet I could trace a lot of my fear that I've expressed here tonight back to being raised in a single-parent home without a dad in the home. Just throwing that out there. But anyway, he says, I know this, that the same faith continues strong in you, and this was why I remind you to fan the flames of the spiritual gifts that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. You know, that's what we did last night. We had body ministry here, 17 people at prayer. And before we got through, we, we prayed for everybody. We're fanning the flames. That's not just... Selfishness, that is encouragement. The body encouraging one another. That's what we're here to do. We prayed for other people as well. But, you know, those, the, there was three teenagers here at prayer. 
<laughs> and they're about to start a revival up in this place. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity. There's a spirit of fear, you see. Just a fearfulness, a timidity. Means, I don't know, it's not my personality, this and this. You know, God has not given us that spirit. But of power, love, and a sound mind. Or this says self-discipline. Takes some discipline to overcome fear, doesn't it? You got to control self. You can't let self run away with itself. <laughs> that would be weird. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. He goes straight into this witnessing thing. Never be ashamed to tell. Because you've got power. You've got God's love. And you can discipline yourself out of these fears. Don't be ashamed of me. Even though I'm in prison for Jesus, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Wow. They were ready to suffer for Jesus. One of them was in prison writing the letter. What a different hour we live in. What is our excuse? So let's talk about power, love, and a sound mind for just a moment. How do we overcome fear? What, is, what makes us different from those who just give in to all their fears? Well, we have the power. We have God's Holy Spirit. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit came in. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We can be being filled. We can stay filled. We can get filled anytime we want with the very power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And if we're walking around timid, we have his name. A name above every other name. At that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the name above every other name. We have his word, which is the sword of the spirit. It'll slice that devil up in little fine pieces. The devil ain't got a chance against when we speak the word of God. We have the blood of Jesus. What kind of power do we need? What, is there anything lacking in the arsenal of a Christian? There's no power missing. Peter, you know, he, uh, he denied Jesus three times before a little girl. <laughs> but then on the day of Pentecost, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went out into the city and told the whole city of Jerusalem. The whole city was there saying, what's wrong with these people? He certainly could have denied Christ then. The whole city's watching. But he stands up on a box and says, boy, let me tell you what. That was a stump, wasn't it? <laughs> he stands up on a hickory stump and says, boy, let me tell you what. <laughs> and he says, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is what Joel prophesied about. And 3,000 people came. And, but not only did he say that, but he said, you're the ones responsible for, for crucifying your Messiah. 
He wouldn't even admit to a young girl that he knew Jesus before. And now he's telling those same ones that crucified him, those same powers and rulers, that you crucified the Lord of glory in front of the whole city. How do you think they felt about being called out like that? He just basically put an X on his forehead. But he was not afraid after he received power from on high. Now, Elijah, he was the opposite. He called down fire from heaven and destroyed 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. He did great things, and then when the woman said, I'm going to get you, he took off running. <laughs> now, I can, I can understand that a little bit. Because men, they'll fight each other, but they get afraid when a woman gets on them. But <laughs> to walk on water, you must first get out of the boat. Isn't that right? It takes a little courage to step out of the boat. It takes a lot of courage. Because if I remember correctly, there must have been at least 12 disciples in that boat, and only one of them got out. One out of 12, not good. To walk on water, you must first get out of the boat. To stay on the water, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Another level. Level of maturity. So what are we focusing on? We're back to focus again. What are we listening to? What are we letting in our ear gates, our eye gates, like we talked about a couple Sundays ago? What are we planting in the seed, the seeds that we're planting in our heart? I wrote this. Faith comes from relationship. Fear is of the unknown. You want faith instead of fear? You got to stay with Jesus. You got to keep the eye, your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. He wrote the book, and, and you need to know what it says. He wrote the story of your life, and if you're going to follow it, you need to be there when he's reading the next chapter. He's the author and the finisher of your life. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And that builds faith. Walking with him, seeing him, uh, walking in his shadow, in his power, up close to him, in his love. I'm telling you, remember the story I told about going to Bill Street and the love of God was all over me and that's the, that's the most miraculous night I've ever been a part of. And it was because it was the love of God and it's, it's with Jesus that you're going to, that love is going to rub off on you. But if you're, uh, you don't know God, you're in the unknown, that's where fear dwells. You don't know the promises. You don't know his character. You don't know what his word says. The devil comes and twists it like he did with Adam and Eve or tried to do with Jesus. But we have power. Say power. Now say sound mind. Sound mind, that's important. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10.4. Why do I always make the sermons go so long? I can write the world's shortest sermon, then I'll look up, and I'm still running behind. Huh? Thank you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4 in the King James 
You know this scripture says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we have weapons, and they're not just fleshly weapons. We have a higher power that we operate in, so to speak. <laughs> More than so to speak. We have a mighty God. And he helps us pull down strongholds. Strongholds that somewhere along the line the devil built up in your mind. A barricade. He's blocked off a wall of your heart. And he's, he's operating fear in there. And he's start stirring that up every time, I, you know, I watch wrestling on TV. That's fear. <laughs> you know, not really. But, you know, when things happened in your life when you were little and something else similar to that happens, you get that old feeling. And all these strongholds that he, he keeps piling on, and he's like a beaver building a dam in your heart to keep you from flowing into the things of God. But we have a power. The Word of God washes our heart. He gives us the mind of Christ. And we're able to yank out those strongholds. Where the devil had a hold on you because he, you were afraid of heights, but you faced it head on. Now you're not. You've pulled down the, at least a couple of walls on that stronghold. And it says, casting down imaginations. It's good to have an imagination, but not if you've got a, a dark imagination. Not if everything you're thinking, you believe, and you know it's not real. And every high thing, every prideful kind of thought, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that, that says it's contrary to the Word of God is wrong. That's all it is to it. It's, it's a high thing. It's pride which comes from the devil, and it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. So you, many of us would say, oh, I know that, I know that. But you know some scriptures that said you should do this, but fear is gripping you and you said, I can't do that. That's, a, that's an imagination, that's a, a thought, a prideful thought that's exalting itself against what you know is true, the Word of God. We've got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does God want us to do? I know we're afraid, but do it afraid. If God says do it, do it. So we have a sound mind. He's working on our mind. That's where the problem lies. He's given us the power. Now, is, now we need to wash our mind, renew it to the things of God. Say love. And we know that's the best weapon of all. Love is what expels that fear. Let me ask you a question. As parents in here, a lot of you. If your children were in a burning building, would you run in to save them? Why? I'll tell you why. Because the love trumps the fear. Love overcomes fear. I don't care how afraid you are of fire or whatever. When that love is welled up in your heart, you will do it. You will do it. You will go into that building. 
Jesus didn't just ask us to be daring and brave. He didn't say, I want you to be strong, and I want you to get up as close as you can to death if you have to, and be willing to give a lot for me. He, he didn't say, I, just, I want you to really reach out and be a strong man, confident, or strong woman, and be confident, and be daring and brave, and, and give almost everything for me. Jesus says, I want everything. Doesn't he? He commands our all for us to die to ourselves, to die daily, to take up our cross, to be willing to be crucified with Christ. Am I just preaching real good or what? Or am I telling you something? Jesus is not a halfway God. He's not wishy-washy. John 12, 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. We're talking about dying to self. It remains alone, but its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. That's, I don't know, that, that's a, a principle that God put into effect. When you plant a seed in the ground, it's got to die before it will grow into a plant. Germination, I don't know what they call it. I didn't study it out, didn't have time. But that's, what, that's the way it works. And God has planted us into this earth. And unless we die to ourselves, we're going to die alone. We're not going to produce a harvest. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm talking about, I, I know I've switched gears on you. Now we're talking about dying. How did he get to dying? Because I'm fixing to show you. Love dies to itself so that it might love the way Jesus did. Love overcomes fear, right? And we die to ourselves that we might love the same way Jesus did. Can you scare a dead man? Have you ever been to a casket? And, ah! Can you scare a dead man? Can you put someone, can you make someone in fear who's no longer living for themselves? Look, when, when you ran into that building, you died to yourself. It was no longer about you. It was about them. Right? It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. That is what we're called to. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but the, the, I live by the, boy, I'm messing that all up. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I get, I've been reading the New Living Translation. I started losing my train of thought on the King James now. I'd have messed myself up. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Self has got to go. All your fear is because of self. It's because you're worried about self. It's a worry and anxiety. What's going to happen to me? Am I telling the truth? Verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me <coughs> must follow me because where my, my servants are, um, because my servants must be where I am. And my Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But it's for this very reason I came. I don't know who he was talking to, 
more? Was he talking to his disciples or was he talking to himself into, about, into what he was about to face? Should I say, Father, save me from what you need me to do because, because there's a little fear rising up in me? The, the temptation to cave in the face of what I'm about to face is, is right there in my face and I'm sweating great drops of blood. Should I say, Father, save me, save me. Don't make me go on the outreach, God. Don't make me tell my co-worker, God. Don't, don't even make me carry a Bible. Don't let, me, don't let them even know I'm a Christian. My soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Why are you here tonight? Because everything in you wants to bring glory to your Father. Is this all about you? I don't think so. I don't think you come out on a rainy Wednesday night just out of a fleshly, selfish reasons. There may be some selfish reasons. We, we all have those. But deep down, you want to glorify the Father just like your Savior Jesus did. And to do that, to love like he loved, to overcome fear, we've got to get off the self. Jesus said, your will be done. Come what may, whatever it takes to bring glory to your name. Can we surrender to that level? What's stopping us? What's stopping us? Sometimes I, you know, I've been in here many times with just me and the music playing, and I'll say, Father, I surrender afresh. I give you everything. I've got to the point I can say that, you know. I'll do that over and over. I, I want, I really want to surrender. <laughs> Yesterday I was praying, or it might have been today, and I just, it went to a different level. Father, I surrender everything, and I, and I mean, come what may. Whether I have to suffer, whether I have to lose everything that I have, whatever you need to glorify your name. See, the, I don't want any fear. I'm tired of fear. I'm tired of thinking that I ain't going to be good enough. I'm tired of all the lies of the enemy. I'm tired. I just, I, I, want, I want death to lose its sting. I don't want to be afraid of dying. I don't want to be afraid of losing my wealth or my health or my car or my possessions, even my children. I trust God enough. I'm trying to trust God enough to know that he's got it all. Jesus knew even given his life, given everything that he, his last drop of blood when they stabbed him with that spear and drained him, he knew even in doing that that the Father had him in his hand. And it didn't, know, didn't matter if he had to go to the pit of hell, if, if he had to face every demon that the devil could throw. It didn't matter. He knew that he had the victory that his God would raise him to everlasting life. And we got to know that. He who fears is not made perfect in love. None of us are perfect. And I'm certainly not. I can say those big things and the next day I'll be afraid. I, you know, 
I'm not going to pay this, the electric bill or something. You know, it always, it's, a, it's a fight. It's a creep every day. It's a continual process. It's a struggle, exactly. But we have to begin to face the fears in our life. Because the church, if we don't, who is? We're the, we're the generation that's going to see the return of Christ, I believe. And when that time of the Gentiles is up, God's going to turn his attention to Israel, the nation of Israel. That's going to be it. The, the harvest is over for the Gentiles. And, and do you have people that you want to see die and go to hell? <laughs> We're it, folks. We're it. So will we be remembered as a Caleb and a Joshua who came back and says, Our God is well able. Let's take the land. Let's move into the promised land. Boy, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Are we going to be named with the ten spies that came back and says, oh, we're just little grasshoppers. There's no, there's no way we could come up against those big guys. And we'll just wander around in the wilderness. We've been set free from Egypt, but we never enter in to the promise. Oh, my. Don't say that because we have new people. They think, I, I told them this Sunday that I usually get through on time. How many will vouch that I usually get through on time? <laughs> Not everybody. I try. Most of the time. I mean, I'm not one that just goes on and on, I, I, th I don't think. But where are the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's of our day that's willing to get in the fire if they have to, to stand up for what's right? Where are the Daniels that's not afraid of the lion's den? Not afraid of that roaring, toothless lion, the devil? Say, I'm not afraid. I will not fear. Won't you just say that more often? Won't you, won't you make a positive confession? And you begin to tell yourself who you belong to. Psalms 56.3, and we'll close. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.